you join me in a prayer? Lord God, as we open your word, we are listening for your spirit. Would you move in our midst, speak to us again today, that we might be transformed, come to know you more, and look more like your son. We pray this in his precious name. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and it begins with Jesus speaking. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from a stranger because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So, again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week or two weeks ago, I gave an intro on the Gospel of John and how John loves to use images, and he loves to keep things simple. And today's Bible verse is a perfect example of both things. Jesus tells this story about sheep and gates and thieves and robbers to illustrate this truth about himself using something from people's daily lives. And if you're not exactly sure what it meant, that's all right. Evidently, the crowds didn't get it either. Verse 6 lets us know that Jesus told this little story, but the crowd didn't understand, so he tried to explain it again, being even more specific. Sheep live in pens. Bad people climb over the fence. The good guy walks through the gate. The sheep know his voice and follow him. Bad guys kill sheep. Good guys give them food and abundant life. And evidently the crowd is still staring at him blankly because his next line is, I am the good shepherd. (laughs) And as he continues to explain it again and again, he has to be thinking, I guess sheep were the wrong metaphor for today. Or maybe given that sheep are known for being dumb, he was feeling his metaphor to be tragically accurate. Regardless, the whole sheep thing is a bit of a stretch for most of us because we don't own sheep. Most of us do not watch sheep. We don't live next to sheep, which means we miss how less than glamorous the image of being a shepherd is and how borderline patronizing his explanation is. Here's another image. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who sneaks into the bank while it's closed is not a good guy. If they break through the window or through the roof and they're wearing the mask, 
they have come to rob the bank. They are not there to help. The security guard, he is there to protect people's money. He will let customers in and out through the door. And you will know he's the guard because he has a uniform and a badge. And he is standing at the door. He is the guard. People wearing masks and climbing in the window, bad people. Guard, good person. I am the guard. I will stand at the door to let you in and out. I will protect you. I will make sure your money is not stolen. The people with the masks are robbing you. When Jesus is still met with blank faces, he just throws up his hands and says, I'm the good guy. I don't know how else to say it. They are trying to lead you the wrong way. Don't follow them. There's an important question we have to answer from this text. Who are the robbers and thieves of today climbing into the church over the fence instead of through the door? Who is it trying to steal the sheep? But before we go there, I want to look at this good news. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This part of the metaphor doesn't really line up with the bank because sheep don't make a deposit. They don't earn a meal. And a shepherd, he doesn't just guard what the sheep have given him. He leads the sheep to things they haven't earned. He protects them from things they don't understand. And in that way, the security guard just doesn't quite line up. It's more like a teacher. Very truly, I tell you, the teacher that is playing on their phone when they should be teaching, that takes their class on a field trip to cathedral caverns and lets the children explore on their own while playing Tetris, that teacher does not care about the kids. I am the good teacher. I give the children what they need even when they don't want it. I teach them things they don't even know to wonder about. I make sure they don't duck under the rail at cathedral caverns only to be found two days later without their shoes. This bit of good news, it starts with humility. Just admitting that we aren't as smart as we'd like to pretend. Half the time, we don't actually know what's good for us. Half the time... We want to duck under the rails and see if the dark is really as scary as it looks. Although Jesus doesn't use the image of a teacher, he could have. His disciples call him rabbi, which really means teacher. But rabbi is a position of importance. It's a position of respect. So he instead goes with this image of shepherd, which would sound more like, very truly, I tell you, The guys who ignore the trash can on the street and instead walk into your house and collect your prized possessions, they are not trash collectors. They are thieves. You can tell when they take your TV, your favorite shirt, and your dog. But I am the good trash collector. I take all the trash that you'll let me and I get rid of it. My people know me because I'm the one who drives the truck. The label Jesus puts on himself, it's not glamorous. It's not full of thanks. It's often unpleasant, but it's a role that he takes anyway, and he seems to take it proudly, which gives us a look at how Jesus actually viewed his role as being our Savior. It's not a heroic image. He could have said, I am the great warrior. He could have said, I am the mighty king. 
But instead he said, I am the good shepherd. And then he gets even more humble. I am the gate for the sheep. The gate. All the gate does is it lets people, lets sheep inside to protect them and it lets them out to eat and wander around. The gate isn't heroic. The gate isn't even a person. It's a thing. It just opens so the sheep can go where they need to. Which Jesus explains is to his father. He is the gate through which we get to the father. He is the shepherd that leads us to the father. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes in only to destroy and kill. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus has not come to condemn the world. He has come to save it. Whoever enters by me will be saved and we enter through Jesus. I think that's probably a teaching a lot of us are familiar with. Our imperfect sinfulness, it keeps us out of the presence of God, but we can be hidden in Jesus' perfection. His sinlessness can wash our sinful souls clean, and we can enter into the Father's presence through Jesus. And when we do, we find pasture. What's in a pasture? I mean, the people Jesus was talking to would have an image of a pasture. Some of us, I'm sure, have one. A piece of land that has food sheep and other animals can eat in. A safe place. When we enter through Jesus, we find what we need to eat, which is the presence of God. Whatever stage of life you find yourself in today, whatever challenges or joys are in front of you, the presence of God carries abundant provision. It's not grass that's going to vanish. It's not food in the fridge that will go bad. It's not friends that will leave you hanging high and dry. God's presence is an ever-flowing, never-ending, all-consuming river of life. When you're in his presence, it's like trying to drink the ocean. You feel yourself and you haven't even begun to taste what all God can do. And Jesus came so we can have an abundant life, so we can taste the ocean by dwelling in the presence of God, not just life, not just staying alive, not just playing it safe. He came so we can have an abundant life, a life that's full of meaning and of purpose and of joy, a life that has too much God to hold very much boredom, too much God so contentment is replaced with a desire for more, so that fear is replaced with faith, so that helplessness is replaced with conviction, so that indifference is replaced with passionate love. Abundant life in the presence of God. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Which brings us to the thieves. It's strange that Jesus mentions them so often. He mentions them a lot in this story. He says that we will hear his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads us out, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And then he says that sheep will not follow strangers because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus doesn't warn us against following strangers. He knows we won't. We don't know their voice and they're not a temptation. But he warns us about thieves and robbers. Do you make the connection that means? 
He warns us thieves and robbers are a temptation, which means we know their voice. We do know their voice. If we didn't know their voice, we wouldn't be tempted to follow them. During the 1500s, the Catholic Church became deceived. Everyone knew that Jesus was the only way to be saved, but their bank account had run low. And they wanted to build a newer and bigger church to worship God in, so Pope Leo X started selling indulgences. Give us money, and we will tell God to forgive your sins. Whenever I've heard this taught, I've dismissed it as ridiculous. How could people believe that? But thinking about it through this story, it's not. Because we all know the voice of money. We all know that money has a voice. It threatens, it offers, it promises. It has a voice, and we know that voice. If it was a stranger's voice, no one would have paid for indulgences. No one would have gone for it. But it was a familiar voice. So people did. They began to try to buy church, and people still wield money that way in church because it's a familiar voice. If it was it was a stranger, we wouldn't follow it. If I warned you about the temptations of video games, some of you might nod because you know kids these days. But for the most part, that's not a temptation for you. It's a stranger's voice. But if we were in South Korea, where the best gamers are celebrities and get endorsement deals and contracts, it has been declared an official addiction and an epidemic. They've passed laws to limit how much video game time children can have. Because it's a familiar voice. They know that it's stealing in over the gates. As Jesus' flock, we know his voice. And we know he comes bringing abundant life. We know the thief's voice too. It's familiar. Maybe it's friendly. Maybe it's threatening. But we know. We know that it comes to steal and kill and destroy. And yet, how often do we follow the thief and leave behind the shepherd? How often do we let the thief steal in over the fence, slip into the church through the basement window, know it comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and still follow it instead of the shepherd? A family was driving along a country road, and the children spotted a kitten in the tall weeds by the side of the road, and the kitten looked pitiful. All the children yelled as one, Stop! They wanted to take the cat home. And the father protested, We already have a zoo at home. This is not the first time you have done this. There is no room for one more animal. But the children's begging finally got to him. So he reversed the car right there in the middle of the road, flew back to the cat, walked out. See, it looked pitiful. You could see the ribs showing. There were little patches of fur. You could see scratches on it. He reached out to pick up the kitten, and it took a swipe at him. And the cat hissed, and it growled. And while he was frustrated, he just wanted to walk back to the car and drive away. But he looked at his children's pleading eyes. So he picked up the cat by the scruff of the neck and he wrapped it in his jacket. And when they got home, the father insisted on making a place for the cat in the parents' room so that the rest of the zoo didn't bother him. 
And it didn't take too long before the cat got healthy. It looked strong and beautiful, and one day the father looked around to see if anyone was looking because he has an image to keep up. And then he put down his hand in front of the cat and petted it. And instead of being scarred again by the claws of the cat, the cat just nuzzled up against his hand and began to purr. God has blessed us. But when we see God's hand reach out to bless us, isn't it covered with scratch marks and scars from us rejecting blessings? From the times we have chosen to follow the thief instead of the shepherd. Sheep, they live in a pen. Bad people climb over the fence to steal the sheep, and the good guy, he walks through the gate. It's not hard to find him. The sheep know his voice, and they will follow him. And the bad guys, they'll kill the sheep. The good guy will give them food and abundant life. You know his voice. But we all know it's not the only voice calling out to us. I don't know the robbers and thieves stealing into your life. But I know the ones stealing into mine, and I know their voices. I know they have stolen too much from me, and they have given me not nearly enough. And I know that we have a shepherd, a teacher, a trash collector, a security guard, and he is the gate through which we walk. He is the host of the feast we eat. He is the feast itself, nourishing our souls until our lives overflow with God's blessings. And at this table... God is reaching out to bless us. If you pay attention, you will see that his hand is scarred. But it is carrying abundant life. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we do confess again our impulse to follow thieves. Thieves who give us not nearly enough. Instead of following you, we give you thanks for this feast at which we are able to gather, that it brings to us abundant life. Fill us again to overflowing that we might be your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.